time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. We're in our second week specifically of talking about belonging to a family. We started this series four weeks ago. First two weeks we talked about belonging to God. So this idea that, you know what? God loves me. God is for me. But I belong to God. God is my defender. God is my father. God is my friend. If anything ever goes crazy in my life, I don't have to go crazy too because God is for me. I belong to him. He's my protector, my guide, my healer, everything I need him to be. And so last week, Pastor John started us off with this second idea that we belong to a family. We belong to a family. Tonight, I want us to go just a little bit little bit deeper into that thought of belonging to a family. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read a significant amount of scripture tonight. I believe there's power in the Word of God. So I want us to go in on, and we're going to do it a little bit different tonight. If everybody will just kind of stand up right where you are. We're going to have the verses on the screen. Standing doesn't require any verbal action from your mouth. Cool. So if everybody would just kind of put your attention on the screen, unless you have a Bible or iPhone or anything like that, I'm gonna, we're going to start reading at, uh, Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to kind of skip, down, skip around a bit. So here we go. It'll be on the screen. Just follow along. I'm going to start at verse 3. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Skipping down to verse 8. It says, God knows how much I love you. And I long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. And that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Verse 10 says, for I want you to understand what really matters. Everybody just shout out at me what really matters. One, two, three. I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to tell you tonight. What really matters. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. And there will come a day, let's just pause away from the text, remain standing. There is coming a day whenever the Son of Man, the very Son of God, will return to this earth. You guys understand that? You want to be found a part of his family. You want to be found as one who said, Jesus, I love you. I need you. I worship you. I am yours. You are mine. This is not my first introduction. Oh, you mean to tell me that you have fire in your eyes? No, 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 no. I knew it right well because I've been walking with you consistently. So, so Paul is writing to the Philippian church. He says, I want you to know what really matters. And I want you to live pure and blameless lives until the day whenever Jesus Christ returns. Now we're going to skip over to chapter 2. Look at verse 27. It says, Above all, that you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner that's worthy of the good news about Christ. We call it the gospel. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit. Everybody say, one spirit. And one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. 29 says, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. 
Verse 30 says, we are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Sorry, chapter 2 now. That was all chapter 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. Again, skipping because we don't have an enormous amount of time. Chapter 2, I'm starting at verse 1. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Verse 3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Verse 4 says, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. 5 says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had, or Christ Jesus had. Verse 6, though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, how many of you know the word of God just all by itself is so powerful? I could wrap that up and we could all go home tonight and so full as we just listen to the scripture, what Paul says about the majesty, the beauty, the power, the excellence of who Jesus Christ is. I want to reread verse 27, and then you can have a seat from chapter 1, verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear you, I will know that you're standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. If you're taking notes tonight, I just want you to write down as a title, to this fourth message in the Belong series. We are family. Mm, 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 mm. I got all... You don't have to write all that. Okay, so we are family. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for the power of your word. God, I thank you that once you speak, Jesus, your word, you, you said in your word that it is not returned void unto you, God, but it will accomplish that which you set it out to do. I'm asking you for anointing and power tonight. Holy Spirit, would you breathe on us? Father, more than gifts, God, more than good things, more than good feelings, emotions, or hype, we need your presence. We need your anointing. Come and change us tonight and show us who we are. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. You can have a seat. I told you guys I'm a song guy. Junior high knows this right well. I probably have a song for every single message that I have. And tonight is no different. So... If my DJ will kick it back there, I want to show you some pictures because we want to really get this in our hearts that we are family. Everybody say, we are family. You say it. Oh, y'all are so good. Y'all got a little funk. Okay, all right. So, so, so tonight, Sean's work, uh, as we were brainstorming, I was like, man, Sean, I just need some visuals. So we have here from a very popular website, it's just called Awkward family photos. 
So drop the music, Sean, and show us some really awkward family photos. These are real photos. These are real albums. Like, people took these. That's so great. Can you imagine if this is just... We need to see them from every angle. Do you see the person holding the tree branch on the side? <laughs> Christmas cards, gotta love them. I do apologize if any of this is your family. That is some hair. Favorite one right here. It's a, it's a this is a literal picture. <laughs> if this is your family, just keep your head down. We won't recognize you. Is that our last picture there? Y'all give it up for awkward family photos. And so, so we really wanted you to understand that, you know, some families are just awkward. You know, there's nothing you can do to help. I mean, it's just some of you are born into awkward families. Bless your heart. Yours just be awkward for life. It's okay. But you see, whenever it comes, to, the, whenever it comes to, to us being one family, even here as DSM, sometimes there can be some awkward moments in every family. There's awkward things. So just like, with these, with, and they didn't mean to be awkward. They didn't mean to be weird. But you know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's just inevitable. And it's the same thing whenever we really come together and whenever you take people from different backgrounds and, and different family situations and, and different parts of town and different races and different theologies and different philosophies and different grade levels, it can get a little awkward sometimes, okay? But at the end of the day, we still have to fight to be family. Whenever we disagree with each other, whenever we don't like each other, every family has some awkward moments. But tonight, the big idea... It's for you to know that no matter how awkward you think that we are or everybody else around you is, we're family. Just turn to the person next to you and just say, we are family. Mm, mm, mm. All right, y'all gonna make Okay, so honestly, you guys, as the body of Christ, as the church, as one youth ministry, as one youth family, we've really got to know that. And not just in a cool, like, ha-ha, funny, we're family. <laughs> what is that? No, no, no. Like that we're truly family, that we're truly brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, we're looking at the reality that once we are brought into the family of God, we are no longer alone, or we're not supposed to be. The person next to you is talking, just slap them upside the head. That's what a good family member would do. Thank you. Cool. Thank you so much. Now let's move on because we're all mature. <laughs> Great. So here's the deal. In knowing that we are family, according to Scripture, according to 1 Corinthians, it says that we are not even our own Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 and 20 that we have been brought with a high price, a very high price. The very blood of God himself was shed so that we can be family, so that you can belong to a family. 
We should no longer serve sin, according to Romans chapter 6, verse 6. So, so we're in this family. We've been adopted. We've been purchased. We've been saved. We've been won. But here's Jesus' prayer. We don't have time to read through it tonight. And I've shared it with DSM Junior High a couple times several months ago. John 17, we call it Jesus' high priestly prayer. It's the one prayer of Jesus that Jesus is even still awaiting to be fulfilled. 2,000 years have passed by and Jesus is still sitting in the place of intercession, believing that the Father has heard his prayer. It's found in John 17. You want to know what it is? You want to know what it is? It's his prayer asking, Father, make them one. In a sense saying, Father, make them family. Make them, a, make them a family. Help them to get in their heads and in their hearts what it means to be a family. The way that, the way that you, Father, and, and me and the Holy Spirit have been doing this family thing from before the beginning of time. See, he is the pre-incarnate Christ. That means before he was born of a virgin in Luke chapter 2, or as we read about in the New Testament, he was always there, the Son of Man. We see him in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or in, in the fiery furnace. And they say, gosh, we see a fourth person in there. He's likened to the Son of Man. Jesus has always been there. He's always been family with his Father. He's always been the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit, and they've had this tight family unit. Jesus says, here's my prayer request, Father. Make them one. Make them a family. And if, guys, if it were easy, you know, it would have happened a long time ago. So we realize that, gosh, sometimes this family thing is hard. Sometimes, and for some of you, because of your biological families or the lack thereof, just the word family conjures up negative things like family. Oh, God, like I just wanted to be a part of a church. Family, I got that at home, and it sucks. Well, we laugh, but we know your stories. <laughs> and, so, and so the reality of it is, no matter what kind of family you come from, the family of God is supposed to be different. There's a supernatural element to it where we love one another and we encourage one another. And I just want to challenge you guys tonight to ask you, how are you doing that? Are you doing that well? Are you being family? Do you feel like this place is family? There's lots of students. We have lots of new students who have been coming in in the last months, in the last weeks. What are you doing to make sure that they feel like, hey, I'm, I'm DSM, baby. I'm in here. I'm a DSM. I'm a DSMer. I'm a Desperite. What's David say? Desperite. I'm a Desperite. You know, whatever. But honestly, everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to feel like they're part of part of the family. Everybody wants to feel like they have a seat at the table. So we have gangs and all sorts of negative things that form across the world. Why? Because everybody wants to feel like they belong. And what we're trying to tell you here tonight is that you don't have to perform. You don't have to try to be something that you're not. You belong here. Your family. We are family. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's the big, that's the big thought that we are family in the family of God, in the, in, the, in the body of Christ, in the family of God. But sometimes, church, sometimes right here, even at, right here at youth groups, youth ministry, DSM night, 
gosh, it can feel like a battlefield sometimes. And if you're supposed to, like out there is the mission field, but some of you have so much contention or unforgiveness or whatever with people right here at church. Sometimes right here can feel like a battlefield. It doesn't feel like family. But you know what? And you know, every church, every youth ministry, every group has its problems, has its issues, has its negative things, has its crazy family. Everybody has crazy family members, okay? But I'm so glad that we're not the only church. We're not the only youth ministry with issues. The early church had all sorts of issues that needed to be addressed. So right here in the book of Philippians, Paul is is writing. He wrote to the church at Philippi while he was in prison in either Caesarea or Rome. Okay, so he held a special relationship with this church. They were near and dear to Paul's heart. The overall purpose of this entire letter, the entire letter to the Philippians or to the church at Philippi was to encourage them in living a Christ-honoring life. He wanted them to mature in their faith. He wanted them to know Jesus, and he wanted them to be more like Jesus. So while Paul addresses several different elements of living as a Christ follower, the one element that we're going to focus on tonight, you probably figured it out, is his encouragement to them to fight to be a family. You see, I want you guys to notice Paul's deep love and affection for the Philippian church. In chapter 1, let's go back and look at that. Chapter 1, verse 3. says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Verse 8 says, God knows how much I love you. And how much I long for you under the tender compassion of of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love would overflow more and more. And that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. This was Paul's heart unashamedly for this church. It was real. He had real affection for them. He had a burden to teach them to consider the things that really matter. In verse 10 He tells them, so clear, I had you guys repeat it, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day that Christ returns. Now, as you go through life, as you go through junior high, as you go through high school, as you go through college, you will begin to realize that, man, some things just don't don't matter. It doesn't matter. Things that are a big deal to you today, a couple months from now, and a lot of you have been there where it's like, oh, that really, didn't, that really didn't matter a whole lot. Paul says, I don't want you to have any regrets at all. I don't want you to have any regrets during the short amount of time. What is 80 years? What is 90 years? What is 100 years in light of eternity? So during your short stay here on planet Earth, I want you to live with no regrets. I want to give you, I want to clearly articulate to you, these are the things that really matter, Philippian church. And while he mentions several, one of them, he says, unity, family, that you would be so intentional about becoming one with people in your circles, with the body of Christ. We call it community. But tonight, again, we're just calling it, calling it family. I want you to know what really matters. I want you to know. I don't want you to be confused about it. You see, for Paul, the sense of family was everything. That's everything. And I'm wondering, could it be that it was so important to Paul because he knew what it was like to be an outcast? 
You see, Paul, long before he was Paul, he was Saul, right? He was a murderer of Christians. Then he gets saved, right, on the road to Damascus, as we read about in Acts, two different accounts, two different chapters in the book of Acts. And he gets radically changed and radically saved. But even then, the church was like, I don't know about this guy. So we had this guy named Barnabas, who we don't like to praise too much, but if there was no Barnabas, Paul would have had a really hard time fitting in. So Paul is like, man, I know what it's like to just kind of be on the outside. And I am a Christ follower, and I, and I want to. I'm not here to kill you. And they're thinking, yeah, right, get that dude out of my house. You know, I, saw, I heard what you did to, you know. And so, and so Paul was like, man, thank God for Barnabas, who kind of connected him. Barnabas who said, you know what? You don't have to come here alone. You know, this is a, this is a family. And so it's kind of like, come see, you're going to be like little, you're going to be Paul for me. And here come, come see, oh, I need a little Barnabas. Okay. And so if this is the rest of the group and, and Barnabas is here and Paul, look at Paul. He's so happy. He's smiling and just full of the joy of the Lord. Right. And he doesn't know what's going on. He's clueless. Okay. So, so good. So I want you to grab him by the hand. Grab him by the hand, and I want you, and, and just kind of take him, just kind of take him over there. Just kind of walk that way. Okay, so everybody knows the guy on the right. Yeah, look at them skipping. Y'all give him a hand. That's just, that's Paul and Barnabas right there. Y'all are so good. You can come back to your seat whenever you want. So, so look, what I'm trying to say is that every Paul needs a Barnabas. If Paul needed a connection point, if the great apostle Paul needed someone to say, you know what, bro, you are family here. I know you're anointed. I know you got it all together. But I know deep down inside, you need to know that you, that you belong here. Oh, I know you look like you have it all together. And I know that you're really popular in school and, and all those different things. But, but I know you need to know that you belong because I'm not that stupid. I wasn't born yesterday because we all need to know that we belong here. So I'm asking you, who are you being a Barnabas to? Or do you just get here on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings even? Do you just kind of stick with your people? You know, your, your clique, your little group of, uh, of friends and, and you never try to try to connect, try to meet somebody new. What, what it, why, am I, why is this so important? It was important to Paul. It was important enough to Jesus for him to pray it 2,000 years ago. So it's important to us. Can I get an amen? amen. And, and so, so what happens is so many times we forget what it was like to be the new person. We forget what it was like. Just, oh, God, I don't, I don't I'm even going. I don't know anybody. I don't, people are going to think I'm weird. I don't, I don't really fit. I don't really belong. We forget. That felt like so many times. And I'm just asking where are the willing ones who are going to fight to keep this place or to create right here Desperation Student Ministries, this sense of family where every single person knows that, hey, you belong here. I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. But hey, we're family, like for real. Amen? Amen. Amen. It was important to Jesus. It was a big deal to him. Therefore, it's a big deal to us. So, so for Paul, in 27, in verses 27 and in verse 20 in chapter 2, he talks about this thing because what unites a family? What really brings a family together? We know love, and we'll talk about that in a second. I don't know about your family, but, but, but my family, it's like, okay, yeah, we can like, you know, uh, be mean to each other or just whatever, but you let somebody outside of our family try to dog on my brother, or if my brother has someone, like if somebody's trying to say something about Brandon, Kevin Cormier will come unglued because he loves Brandon. He can talk about Brandon. That's my big brother, 10 years older than me. But you let somebody else try to talk about Brandon, 
Oh, and it's going down. Okay, it's popping off up in here. All right, so, so, so even Paul knew this. There's nothing that unites a family like a cause, like something that's worth fighting for, something that, that rallies the family together. And Paul knew this too. So in chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 27, he says this, look, 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 you guys. Then whether I come and see, see you again or even if I only hear about you, I will know that you're still standing together, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Fighting together. So he tells him you're having a hard time being family. I know. Well, just get this idea that you have one enemy and he is after you and he wants to kill you, to steal from you, and to destroy you. And think about all of his tactics and all the ways that he tries to attack you through people, through temptation, through whatever. And in those moments, I want you to remember that you're not alone. Yes, you have God. Yes, you, you belong to God. We got that. But know that you belong to a family and that there's a human being there who will fight for you, who's standing shoulder to shoulder with you, helping you fight the good fight of faith. Chapter 2, verse 20, he talks about the struggle together. I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 20, he talks about this, this struggle together. And again, you have this, you have this idea of, of fighting together, of struggling. Verse 30, I'm sorry. We are in this struggle together. You may have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. So he uses this language, fighting together, struggling together. You know, it's one thing to have a bad day. But it really is true that misery loves company. It really does feel better to know that, gosh, somebody else is going through hell and high water or somebody else's family is falling apart or somebody else is having a hard time with this test. Come on, somebody. Or somebody else. I mean, I'm not the only one. Everybody wants to know that, okay, somebody else. You, can, you feel me, right? Like, you feel my pain, right? And so, so Paul is like, use these, thing, use these things to bring you together. I draw you apart. And so thinking about things like starting prayer meetings on school campuses and, hey, show up to the prayer meeting. You know somebody from DSM is there. You show up to fight for the cause together. Somebody else take a stand and pray with somebody in the middle of the hallway. Somebody else take a stand and and, and pray for someone even in the middle of the lunchroom and, and, and be bold and be zealous about your faith. It makes a whole lot more sense. There's a whole lot more power whenever you know we are fighting together for the same cause. It's why DLA is so powerful. You have a group of interns, college students, young adults from all over the country coming together and even here locally saying, hey, let's fight for a cause. Let's do something together. Let's make history together. We have a short window of time here on planet Earth. Let's do something great and let's not just do it alone. But let's do it as a, as a family. Amen? Yes. Nothing rallies a family together like a good fight. But you see, this whole family thing works a whole lot better when you are actively in the battle, advancing the kingdom. And some of you say, gosh, I just feel so disconnected from DSM. I've been coming for three years. Oh, we're, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Do you just kind of show up and then like leave right after? I mean, honestly, it really does make a difference if you're on the sidelines as opposed to if you're on the field. Those who are on the field always feel connected. Because they're a part of rallying around the cause. So I'm encouraging every one of you, rally around the cause. Come together. We are family. Yeah, Diego finished it for me. So this whole idea, you guys, 
This family idea. How do you get there? How does it work? How do you go from just being disconnected to being family? Well, Paul has a few suggestions for us. He says, agree with one another. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Agreeing together. Is there any fellowship that make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose? Agreeing together, loving one another, working together. Doing things together. Whether it's prayer meetings, whether it's fellowship activities, whether it's going to Coram Deo, come with us. You will feel like family. If you feel disconnected now, come to Coram Deo. I promise you, you'll feel so connected afterwards. After spending two or three days with people, bunking with people, you know, in the same lodge and maybe get, whatever happens, bad things happen, good things happen, you certainly feel a whole lot closer whenever you've had some experiences together. That's why Coram Deo is so huge for us. That's why fall retreat's a huge, huge deal for us. But here's the deal. We can be brothers without being twin brothers. One wise person just said. We're not saying be just like us. I don't want like, uh, you know, three or four or five hundred of like the same people doing things the exact same way. We can be brothers. You can be sisters without being twin brothers, twin sisters. Vance Havner says this. Christians like snowflakes are frail. But when they stick together, they can stop traffic. It's a big deal that we come together as family. Because it's fragmented parts, just doing cool things, that's one thing. Whenever we can unite under one banner, which is Jesus Christ, desperation student ministry saying, hey, you're my family. I'm not going to be mean to you. I'm not going to be rude to you. I'm not going to dishonor you. But I'm going to treat you like family because you are my family. You're my brother. You're my sister in Christ. It's a big deal. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. The how, how do, you, how do you start, how do we make this place a family? Well, by being secure, being humble, and intentionally looking out for others. But you know what? You can be right here in the midst of this youth ministry, in the midst of DSM, and you can be doing things to exclude and kick people out of this family. And it's not cute, and it's not honoring, and it's not funny, and it's not helping anyone, and you'll give account of it one day. That's the interesting thing. We want everybody here, no matter what your background, no matter what, how many times you, you, you've come to DSM, no matter how many years, maybe if your family comes or even if they don't, we want you to feel like this place is family. You can be a non-Christian and still feel like this place is family. We still want you to feel like you belong here, praying and hoping that one day soon, gosh, you'll see the light of Jesus Christ. But you know, some other things we do as a family is that we honor each other and we honor the Lord. You see, whether you love him or not, you can still respect him. And one way in which, one way in which we do that is, gosh, just, man, God speaking through someone on this platform. We want to honor Jesus. We always want to make a big deal out of him. Amen. I want you guys to be intentionally looking out for others. That's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let's throw that book back up on the screen. Chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. 
You know, I know this may be hard to believe for some of you, but it's not all about you. Oh, some of your parents have done a great little job deceiving you and make you think the whole world revolves around you, but it doesn't. It doesn't. This thing is about Jesus, and this thing is about making a big deal of others, a bigger deal than we make about ourselves. So I want to read something to you guys tonight. And again, it's closing in on this idea of intentionally looking out for others. Because I can promise you in a, in a crowd this size, both in junior high and high school, there are multiple ones of you that this is your story. This is called Inside Myself. Hello out there, world. It's me in here. Can you see me? Can you see past the mask that I wear? Look beyond what your eyes can see. Look beyond the mask to my heart. Beyond the laughter to see my hidden thoughts you never know about. For God's sake, please don't let my mask fool you. My outside shell is really thick. I'm having trouble getting out. Who am I? You say I don't look or sound like myself? That's because you've never taken the time to see or hear me. The real me. The real me inside, that is. And what about the mask and the wall? They're just a shell. They're the shell that I'm telling you about. You say you thought the shell was me? No, I'm just... I'm just someone deep inside here. They're just my protection. Protection from what, you say? From whomever. From whatever. From Christ followers. From people just like you. I can't be hurt in here. You see, my shell and my mask, they keep people at a safe distance. Even Christ followers, like some of you, you and the world outside. There are chances for pain. I'm safe inside of here, right inside the shell, right behind my mask. I'll never be laughed at in here. I'll never be understood. I'll never be rejected because the shell and the mask inside myself don't mind being laughed at. Don't mind being misunderstood. Don't even mind being rejected come to think about it becoming pretty comfortable in here the shell it's getting stronger and my mask is getting larger to cover more of my face why should I change anything now hello world is anybody still even listening to me what's that What'd you just say? I thought I heard something a minute ago. It was a faint voice. Uh, something about you really caring about me? I mean, like, really caring? It sounded pretty human. Pretty real. So I thought. I thought it was finally a real voice. Taking time to look past all the stuff on the outside. The real me. But maybe not. I can't 
can't hear too well inside the shell. I can't, I can't see too well with this mask covering my eyes. I can't even hear you. Please don't go away. Don't go away. Well, beginning to feel a little bit funny, kind of stupid, a little awkward, embarrassed that I've said all that I just said. So I'll close the hole up and go back inside of my shell again. I'll put this mask back on my face. I'll crawl back deep inside. You know, to be real honest, it's pretty comfortable in here, inside myself. And by the way, will you just do me one more favor? Yeah, you, Christian, Christ follower, DSM student, do me one more favor. If you're even still listening, will you forget all the stuff that I just said? I want you guys to stand to your feet tonight without talking. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. One translation says, especially to those in the household or the family of faith. You see, I'm not saying that we should be mean to everybody else that are on the outside, but I am saying this. Paul made it crystal clear. We are to practice extra hospitality with one another as Christ followers. Jesus put it this way, by this the world will know that I have been sent of my Father the way that you love one another. What's the real glue that holds a family together? It's love. It's not a, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Verse 21, that they all may be one. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, but he who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Romans 5 and 5, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You see, it takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to have real love. For family. Bow your heads right where you are. Father, I thank you for your presence, for your spirit, and for your word tonight. And I just ask of you that, God, any rejection has been built up. Anyone who's been wearing masks, God, anyone who's been behind the walls, God, I pray those walls will come down and that the mask will be pulled off. Oh, Jesus, come and do only what you can do. I thank you that we have been adopted into the family of God. And we give you glory for it, Jesus. I want us to take a moment even now. And we have a special way that we're going to conclude this service. And Aubrey can get the assigned DLA students to move real quick. But before we do that, before we do that, or as you guys are doing that, I want us to pray very specifically. And tonight, I want to give you a chance to respond to Jesus and what he has to say and what he has to do in your lives. Even as I was preparing this message and in prayer about it, everybody's attention is down there now. So let's just go ahead and say what this is. This is a puzzle. It's a huge puzzle, 500 pieces. 
UDLA took lots of hours today put this puzzle piece together it was on the stage so everybody got an opportunity to see it but what they're doing now is they're disassembling disassembling the puzzle and what several of our core and associate staff are going to do is just kind of as a reminder just kind of as a, a token that you remember this night Pastor John, Pastor Dave and myself we really feel like the rest of the Desperation staff that gosh this year in DSM we really want to drive home this sense that you belong here You belong to God, you belong to this desperation family, but also you belong to a movement. And that's where we're going next Wednesday night or starting in high school and junior high will continue on Sunday mornings. So they're disassembling that. I'm going to give you an opportunity to grab puzzle piece before you leave tonight. But before we do that, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes real quick because I feel like Jesus would like to break some chains of rejection even tonight. So bow your heads, close your eyes. And I... Gosh, if you say there's any part of your heart, any part of of your world that you feel like, man, I just, it can be at home, it can be here, be wherever, where you feel like, gosh, there's some, there's just some major issues, there's some major stuff, like I just always feel disconnected, and I just, and I don't feel accepted, no matter how many times you tell me, no matter how many times you guys sing it, I want you to lift both hands up to Jesus tonight, and I believe that he's going to meet you and break those things, that's so many. Oh gosh, that's so many tonight. Keep your hands lifted really high. And I believe that the Father is going to break those things. If you want those chains to be broken, He will so meet you. This is what we're going to do, girls. If y'all move those puzzle pieces, if your hands lifted, I want you to run up here very quick because we don't have a lot of time. Because I want our staff just to kind of surround. So if your hands are up, I want you to come down here to this altar very, very quick. We don't have an enormous amount of time. Real quick, those of you who say, gosh, there's some rejection. I need to know that I'm accepted. I need to leave here tonight knowing that I've been accepted into the family of God, knowing that I want to know what acceptance feels like. Real quick, don't come because the person next to you is coming. I'm talking to people who want to do business with Jesus tonight. This isn't a token altar call. This isn't a popularity contest. But I'm talking about real issues of rejection. Because Jesus wants to break that off of your life. We've prayed for you. Our staff has been praying for you. I prayed for you today. And it's a very real thing. You know, the concept of adoption is so powerful. We don't really get it in our Western culture. But here's what's powerful. I don't have time to preach it tonight. I can certainly give you the highlight of it. You see, in Jewish culture, in, in Hebraic thought, in Hebrew thought, the concept of adoption was actually stronger than that of a biological family. You see, by law, it was much easier to disown a son or a daughter that was biologically yours than one that was adopted. There were extra steps that you had to do because once you chose to adopt a child, I mean, it was like you had to move heaven and earth to try to get rid of them. I want you to understand this because it's essential to know that you've been adopted into the family of God and into this DSM family. You are adopted. I am adopted. But we're in. We're in. So tonight, as you lift up your hands one more time, I want to pray a prayer over you. and Staff, you just kind of help me pray for people down there. Holy Spirit, I thank you that even now, that you would pour out your spirit in this place even now, Jesus. 
God, I ask of you to deal with every spirit of rejection and in its place that you would release a spirit of acceptance that everyone would know they don't have to perform, they don't have to try to fit in, not here, not in the kingdom of God, not in the family of God, but they simply belong. Jesus, I pray that in moments of rejection, God, I thank you that in a cool way, you'll just sing over them. We are family. You belong to me, I belong to you, and you got a family. Holy Spirit, I pray specifically for students who have been adopted. God, I thank you in the name of Jesus that none of those things would carry over in their lives anymore, any longer. Rejection issues of biological moms and dads, I thank you that it's being healed tonight in the presence of the Lord. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you don't turn any of us away, but you love us because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for your presence tonight. And I thank you that truly, that through the love of God that has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, you will make us family. And they will all feel like family. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Let's give Jesus a hand raise tonight. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.